It's time for Branding Business, the only show that brings branding experts and corporate executives together to explore how branding your business can improve both your top-line growth and bottom-line performance. Brought to you by Rikus Baird. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Branding Business. Uh, I'm Ray Baird. I'm co-founder of Rikus Baird. And today, we'll be covering a, a most uh, most important topic for, for corporations and, and marketers out there. Actually, this was one that was requested by one of our loyal followers, so, so thank you for that. And uh, we're going to discuss, you know, how to get the most out of your brand and your PR efforts. How do those two things come together to, you know, successfully, you know, benefit um, from your investment there? Or we kind of titled it, Five Imperatives to Making Your Brand and PR Successful. And we're very pleased uh, to be joined today by, uh, uh, with Derek Creevy um, from Edelman Public Relations. Welcome to Branding Business, Derek. I'm delighted to be here, Ray. To you that that may have not heard of Edelman or know their reputation, Edelman's uh, pretty much the world's largest PR firm. They got 63 offices and over 4,000 employees, and have just worked on some tremendous brands. We've had the opportunity to work with them. They've worked on uh, brands that you'd be familiar with, you know, AstraZeneca, eBay, GE, HP, Starbucks, and kind of the list goes on. So, so check the box to, uh, with their experience. I've had the pleasure of working with Derek. He's a veteran. He worked on a lot of top 100 brands, and Percy, I can. A test. He's a wonderful strategist and a great leader, and he has some really contemporary kind of views on social media and NPR, and that's why we wanted to have him on here. So let's get started. Derek, first of all, here's a softball for you to get listeners kind of warmed up. How should our listeners think about brand and PR to ensure their overall success? Well, I think, um, first off, right now in today's era, there's a great opportunity to put purpose at the very center of your brand vision, in the very center of your organization. And what I mean by purpose is really to put the mission of the company and the employees at the center of the brand. Historically, there was, you know, basically expectations of business that they had a license to operate. They were free to sell products, raise funds, make profit. But I think people, employees, consumers, investors are really seeking greater leadership beyond that value to operate. They're looking to business and to brands to take on issues of our time. So I'll give you a few examples of what I mean by this. Earlier in about, I think, probably 2005, maybe 2004, I think CEO Jeff Emel from GE coined the phrase, green is green. What he meant was, when he was describing the introduction of his firm's, I think it was $200 million investment in building a business around creating sustainable technologies. So his notion is that green, sustainable technologies can make profit, can build business. I think two years ago, following on from that, GE launched uh, their first ever eco-challenge. And what they did was they invited people from all around the world to suggest ideas about new sustainable technology ideas. They built an online portal uh, they provided access to uh, GE's proprietary R&D, and they provided online access to uh, some of GE's key uh, scientists and leaders. And so they solicited some 4,000 ideas, and 70,000 members joined this kind of crowdsourcing portal. And as a result of that, GE fund, I think, the funding or bring to market 12 of those ideas. So uh, putting purpose, and a mission at the heart of the brand. And this, in GE's case, was really about building sustainable technologies. 
in, on, a, on a kind of consumer side, I think we've seen the evolution of uh, cause-related marketing, the same idea. So I remember Brita, and I, your listeners are familiar with Brita. Brita is the flask that you buy at home, and you put water, water into it, and it filters the water so you have great-tasting water at home. So Brita was a brand, I think, that they'd admit was pretty challenged. But what they did is they created a, um, a movement, really, filter for good. So they asked people to sign up and commit to stop using um, plastic bottles and disposing those plastic bottles in, in, in waste sites all around the planet. Instead, to use filter and to use these filtered, um, their filtered product along with reusable bottles. This ultimately, I think, has helped double their sales and really revitalized their brand. I think in both instances, you see a shift from simply selling technology to sort of enabling people to buy into the mission, the purpose of that brand. A lot of our listeners can kind of get their heads around that concept. Sometimes it's easier said than done because most people like to, to do, you know, PR in, in, in more of a traditional type of way. But, you know, things have, things have changed quite a bit in, in our marketplace, and you and I have, have talked about that. Can you talk about this communication shift that affects the way that marketers and companies really need to talk about addressing stakeholders in today's environment? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the question, Ray. I think, you know, you and I actually are old enough to remember a time when organizations and brands really control their brand, really control their communications and control their message. So they control the information that they gave to people and people discovered about their brand. Yeah, but I think in those days, I think media was analog and it was local, and it was national, and there was a news cycle. Today, information is digital, it's global, it's expansive, and it operates very much in real time. So I, I think what that means is that Everybody is a creator of content. Peer recommendation is the number one basis of purchase. So what people say about your company or your brand really helps drive people's purchase or involvement with that, with that brand. So you're no longer in complete control of your own reputation. I think um, search has made us all deep experts in any, any narrow field. At the same time, people, people are highly skeptical of, how would I say, sort of organized messaging or controlled messaging. So communication has really shifted from being talking at audiences to engaging them. So historically, used to take a lot of ads or used to generate earned media publicity. You're really talking at audiences. Now people are talking amongst themselves. You really have to engage them at their own level. So what do I mean by engaging? You really have to begin by listening to your your um, stakeholders, but listen to your customers. So, for instance, several years ago, Starbucks came up with mystarbucksidea.com. Again, this was a portal where uh, their customers and their fans could go on to the portal and say, here's what I think. Here's what I think your new product should be about. Here's what I think about your current product, your current coffee, your current environments. They got an opportunity to engage middle managers throughout Starbucks, so you weren't talking to the elite leadership team or you weren't talking to um, customer service, which you were talking to product managers. They got to vote on new product ideas and say, listen, I think that's a good idea. They got to understand where uh, Starbucks was in their R&D so that they knew when new products were come, going to come to market. So you, so you really had Starbucks embracing and engaging their audiences very directly. And the audience had a say in what future Starbucks looked like. Secondly, when I, say, when I talk about engagement, brands can participate real-time in conversations, and conversations are happening whether you participate or not. 
So it's incumbent on brands, really, to participate in this. Nike, I think, is one of the best examples. And I just, Edelman has no, uh, we don't work for Nike, so we're not involved. But I think Nike is really a, a, an exemplary leader in the way they're using Nike Plus to convene a community around running and fitness. So they've gone beyond simply talking about the transactional nature of buying Nike products, but really they have built a community about people who are passionate about running and fitness. Third, I think engagement means that brands can be open advocates. They can really champion and activate their audiences about things they care about. So here, here's a, a, bit of a, a bit of an unusual or different example. The National Dairy Council, which represents um, dairy products in, in all variety of ways, they partnered up with the NFL to engage K-12 students to play for an hour every day. What they're really fundamentally doing is taking on the widespread obesity epidemic in the U.S. So they move beyond simply talking about dairy products to encouraging uh, kids to play. And the way they did this was they provided a whole toolkit for schools all around the nation. They engaged directly and activated student ambassadors to encourage their own classmates to go out and play and have fun. They brought, um, obviously, NFL sports people to the classroom, talked about the value of eating right, eating dairy, and playing. I think the first year alone, and I'm going back just a couple of years, 70,000 schools were involved in the programs and, and volunteered to sign up. And I think that initiative has grown uh, to a kind of a national level with uh, First Lady uh, Michelle Obama's Let's Move initiative. Same idea, get kids to play. You know, it kind of springboards off of your first uh, overall comment around, you know, putting the purpose, putting a big idea into the overall communications. We're right, you know, so many listeners are so skeptical around brands today. We can certainly attest to that. I, you know, we have a saying here is, was once delivered, you know, is kind of now found. And when they find you for something that, that's a bigger idea, it can have a really dramatic effect on the overall kind of brands. So we've been also in this overall shift around brands and talking a lot about the content and the way that people need to think about that. Can you talk a little bit around content and the way that marketers and corporations need to think about, you know, this new mindset? Well, Ray, first of all, we couldn't agree with you more. The days where, you know, you're providing information, so they're reading in the newspaper or watching on television, the way people get information now is they go online and they search for it. So search is really the door to information. And to engage people through search, you have to think about yourselves, think about your own brand as a media company. So the first thing you do is obviously you need a content strategy. You need to think of yourself as a, really as a media company, like traditional media companies. So, for instance, at way back after the 9-11 attacks, which is, I think is more than a decade ago now, Edelman created a portal for downtown Manhattan where we published the very latest information about what was happening in the rebuilding effort. We hired some former journalists. They had independent editorial control, and they operated just like a media company. They reported stories both to the local businesses, to the general public, to other media outlets, and to politicians. So it became a de facto source of credible information. More recently, I think J&J really broke ground. I know that they started or they purchased a parent portal called Baby Center. Again, they hired journalists. They gave it editorial independence. And it really is a parenting magazine. It operates now in a dozen or more countries in their local languages. And it's become the leading among the, t the largest kind of sources of information about for parents. 
there's a very traditional consumer products company operating like a media company. And even more recently than that, one of our clients, eBay, which is one of the largest online marketers with more than 100 million active users, they, because of their unique insights about what people are searching for and buying, they created Insight Source, which is a fashion magazine to help people understand what they're buying, some of the forecasts, some of the latest trends that are adding value to their active community base because they're talking about the latest fashions and what's moving, what's not moving. So eBay's thinking themselves like a media company. So it's a great example of how they can put content, which is elevated up when you go through search. The, the second thing I would say is, historically, you'd use paid media, earned media, to drive awareness of your brand. One of the smarter ways to go is to use advertising, paid media, and earned media to drive participation in that social discussion, to drive participation in their content strategy. And the reason you would do that is that in the search engine results, social conversation, what's on Twitter, what's on Facebook, is elevated. That's going to appear higher in your search results. And equally, mobile is increasingly important in terms of how you're searching for information through your mobile devices, tablets, iPhones, Google Android devices. So by using your paid, your advertising, and driving people to the conversation about your content, so in eBay's case, it's about fashion trends, that's going to elevate how people find you and how they find your information. I think just for about every single brand that, you know, that we've been working with, content is always a big discussion and, you know, how do they structure. And the idea of thinking as your organization, as an overall publisher, is, is a kind of a big idea, but it's one that I think a lot of marketers got to get their heads around. And it kind of leads, you know, to, to the next question. We're always asked this quite a bit after we've created a brand or overall strategy is all around internal adoption, that change management that happens within the organization. And from a public relations standpoint, can you comment on a little bit of what are the key things from an internal adoption standpoint that marketers need to put into their consideration set? Ray, again, I think, I think it's a really important question. It's a really important strategy, which is, you know, you have employees. The employees are out talking to their peers and their friends, and, and that's amplified because they're on, they can be chatting or referencing stuff online. The second thing I will say to you is employee information about a company or a brand from a so-called rank-and-file employee is at least twice more credible than it is from, say, a CEO. So if you have a rank-and-file employee talking about a brand or their employer or a company, it is significantly more credible than even a CEO talking about their company and their brand. So... Knowing that your employee base is absolutely the first audience for your organization in terms of what they're talking about on the brand, that's job one. We couldn't agree more, but, uh, you know, what, what is like the first thing that a marketer kind of needs to think about, you know, on that internal kind of adoption? Where should they go in, in getting them involved? You should market to your employees as if you're marketing to your customers. And, that, you know, our experience, Ray, frankly, is that it's relatively under-resourced and under-thought of. And oftentimes, employee comm is sitting with human resources versus your communications, your marketing team. To answer your question, though, you should view your employees as brand ambassadors. So you should inform them and provide them with content that they can, in turn, easily share. So PepsiCo, for instance, they've identified, they've, I think, off the top of my head, I think they've got about 300 and 
320,000 employees around the world. They got a lot of employees. They've identified and invited a certain number of employees to participate in regular briefings about where various initiatives are. Secondly, they give them information about their products or their initiatives. In PepsiCo's case, they're doing a great deal around environment, being water neutral in many countries that they operate and reducing the impact of their plants and their facilities around the world. So they share that information with their employees. The employees, in turn, can share it with their peers and their friends and families. I think so really bringing your employees into the fold in terms of what you're doing, because the truth is they're out talking about their, talking about you and your brand anyway, so really treating them proactively and bringing them engaged in what you're doing. Yeah, that's good advice. I think really good advice. Down to kind of the last question with our time here, and it's more of a technical or structure question is that, you know, as building infrastructures, you talked about, you know, content's got to be different. You got to think about you being a publisher. It takes kind of some different people in order to kind of deliver in this new kind of era of uh, PR and brand communication. Can you comment a little bit about, you know, the infrastructure and how companies should think about that within their strategies? Yeah, no, I, I think it's really important because because it's easy to observe great companies go, well, that's great, you know, we should do something like that. The way that, the way that those kind of groundbreaking companies operate is they, we've seen the emergency, emergence of a chief communications officer. And the chief communication officer sits, his, his or her job is, is not simply to communicate at audiences about whatever brand decisions have been made or whatever corporate decisions have been made. It's really to sit at the sweet suite and sort of help develop those brand strategies, help develop those corporation strategies. A few examples. So Walmart, which I, which I think is a company where people have very strong feelings about, Walmart, to their credit, did a couple of things recently. One is they created a healthy food initiative, providing much greater access, both in terms of the cost and the price points, and, and in terms of providing, simply providing food and vegetables to lower-income families. Secondly, Walmart has worked extensively with their vendors, and Walmart has enormous reach and impact on, on society and on a lot of their vendors, reducing the environmental impact on vendors. So reducing the amount of energy going to making products, the amount of packaging used, as zero waste packaging. Again, I think that initiative wasn't led by operations, but was led by the chief communications officer, because he's aware of the reputation of Walmart out in the marketplace among customers and among all their stakeholders. And you'll find that the chief operating officer roles being established at other big companies. For instance, John Iowata, again, a communications guy, he's the fellow behind Let's Build a Smarter Planet. Or, and I mentioned some of the GE work earlier, Beck Comstock, she's the chief communications officer for GE. And you can see her role and her mindset influencing policy and strategy at GE. Well, you make some, some really great points, Eric. You know, it's a brand new world out there, and marketers have got to think about it, you know, completely different. And we really appreciate, you know, coming on Branding Business and giving some of your overall insights. And I think there's a few things, you know, that kind of stick in, in my mind, is that one is you've got to put the purpose at really the center of here and your vision. You're going to get more out of that. It's more original. It's more authentic and, and unique. And you're right, most of the organizations don't take the time to segment and engage all their stakeholders with, you know, strategy, all about content, right? People need to think about, you know, their content strategy to, to drive messaging in this new era. And and who wouldn't, you know, disagree with, you know, engaging employees? But you bring a, a different point of view. It's not only engaging them. 
It's getting that overall message. People are very transparent about brands, and they'll trust employees for their overall kind of point of view. But getting them involved at a whole different level, I think, is a is a pretty big insight. And and the last thing, you know, marketers do need to rethink their structure to deliver on these new skill sets in this modern age of of marketing, and it will continue to change. So, again, thank you, you know, Derek and Edelman for for joining Branding Business. As always, if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover, just go ahead and send us a, a text or an email. And until then, best of luck with branding your business. You've been listening to Branding Business, the only show that brings branding experts and corporate executives together to explore how branding your business can improve both your top-line growth and bottom-line performance. To hear more, simply visit our website, brandingbusiness.com, or tune in next week to learn how you, too, can build your brand and move your business forward. Brought to you by Rikus Baird.